Today's message will be delivered by Valley's own Mr. Pete Knight. Pete is a longtime member of Valley and has volunteered many years in children's ministry, youth ministry, men's ministry, small group, and special events. Pete is a graduate at Notre Dame University, but he's not Irish. I'm just letting you know that. He's a full-time school teacher, and in 2016, Pete received his Master of Divinity degree from Liberty University Theological Seminary. And after receiving so many compliments regarding Pete, Pastor Phil Howard asked Pete if he would be willing to share God's word with us today. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming to the pulpit Mr. Pete Knight. morning. Oh, I promise you, we'll be out by two. <laughs> no, but uh, this morning, a message will come from the book of Judges, chapter two. So if you have a Bible, please turn to Judges, chapter two. We will read verses six through ten. And while you find it, let us look to the Lord. Father, we come before you this morning to thank you once again for this day, to thank you for this opportunity as brothers and sisters to break, to break bread together around your word. And I just pray, Father, that uh, my brothers and sisters would not hear me, but that they would hear you, that they would hear your voice, Father, and respond to what you are asking them to do. We ask that you will allow your spirit to come now and open up our hearts and minds to receive your word. For this we ask you, Father, in Christ's name, for Christ's sake and your glory. Amen. All right. Uh, if you are there, uh, Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 10, uh, I'll be reading from the King James Bible. And it says this, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnah, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill, Gaash. In verse 10, which is where our message comes from today. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. It just bears repeating. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works 
which he had done for Israel. My brothers and sisters, for a title, I, 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 I titled it very simple. What happened? What happened? What happened? Because how is it that a generation arose and did not know the Lord, know what he had done for them, when they were led by a man whom God specifically said to, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not fail thee, nor would I forsake thee. How can they have a generation that doesn't know the Lord when they were led by a man who also witnessed the Red Sea split? They saw the walls of Jericho come crumbling down. They saw this. So how is it that a generation arose and didn't know the Lord. So what happened? What happened? That's the question. What happened? And so today, I want to answer that question through our text with three others. I just want to know what happened. We always, sometimes we find ourselves in the same, like, what happened? How could things be going so well and all of a sudden they fall apart? Leading us to ask the same question. What happened? And so tonight, the Lord, or this afternoon, the Lord gives us the answer very quickly. But first, let's just look at what happened. Well, if you're not familiar with the story of, of Joshua, uh, if you read the book, he is the hand-picked successor for Moses. God anoints him to take over after Moses, unfortunately, disqualified himself from taking the people into the promised land. That, that, that fellow now, Joshua. And Joshua, in the book of uh, Joshua 24, he gives this one of the greatest soliloquies ever. And he tells the people, you are getting ready to go into the land. You have a choice. You can serve the gods of your forefathers. You can serve the gods of the, of the, of the ones you in the land now. Uh, that's your choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the Joshua. And the people responded by saying, oh, no, no, no. We, we, Joshua, we with you. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve him. And, and he, doing that same uh, speech he gave, he reiterated to them what the Lord said, don't do. Because in he, uh, it was Exodus chapter 32 or chapter 23, verses 32 to 33, where the Lord tells them, that first generation specifically, he says, don't you dare make a covenant with them. Don't make a covenant with their gods. First and thirdly, they are not to dwell in the land with you, uh, for they will make you serve their gods and sin against me and their gods will be a snare to you. That's what the Lord told the first generation. But as we know, they didn't get to go into the promised land because of what happened in Numbers. They doubted what the Lord said, hey, it's yours. It's yours. 
But 10 people convinced 2.6 million people we can't do it. We ain't got no shot. They're giants. We're ants. And the Lord said, okay, since that's what you want to believe, even though, even though I'd split a Red Sea, that's what you want to believe, you won't get to go in, but your children will. And now this is the generation that's entered the promised land. They are. And so, they, and they were instructed in Deuteronomy. Uh, Joshua said it again, hey, look, we're going in here. Once again, don't make a covenant. Don't make a covenant with the gods. Don't let them dwell in the land. Don't serve the gods. Don't do that. We are, we were given a command to wipe them out. Wipe them out. Don't leave them. Don't leave them. Don't. God said, don't show them any mercy. Read Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 4. He said, show them no mercy. And so the battle has raged on and they're, they're fighting and what have you. And then they got tired, apparently. Because what we find in Judges chapter 2, also in the first verses 1 and 2, as well as in Judges chapter 1, 27 to 36, they started compromising. They said, oh, no, 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 no. What? It's... I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired. Let's just make them slaves. Let's do that. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. So what do they do? Dan, Manasseh, Israel, Ephraim, Zebulun, Naphtali, Asher, the house of Joseph, all of them. Instead of eliminating, they, they made them slaves. They made them slaves for slavery. And then they didn't tear down their altars. So they adopted some of those idolatrous practices into their worship. When God said, don't make a covenant, tear down the altars, get rid of them. Now, why would God say that? Because as you know, Israel's history, they were brought out of Egypt. Egypt had many gods, many gods for all, for fertility, for everything. They were rescued out of that. And so they were rescued and delivered from that. And God says, I don't want the people where you're going because that's what they practice. They got many gods. So why will you go back to that which I delivered you from? And that's a practical lesson already. When God has delivered you from something, why are you constantly going back to it? Why? He delivered you from alcohol. So why are you at the bars and the clubs still? He delivered you. Maybe he delivered you from pornography. So why are you still watching and buying that stuff? You cannot dabble in sin and get away with it. You can't. So he said, I told you, don't make a covenant with him. Don't do it. I can see the, the beginning, the middle, and the end. You can't see that. They're going to make your hearts turn away from me. And that's exactly what happened. And so, the angel of the Lord comes in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And if you look at it, he says this to him. He says, And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham and said, 
I made you to go up out of Egypt, and I have brought you unto a land which I swore unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant uh, with the inhabitants of this land, and you shall tell down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice, and I got one question for you. Why? Why? When I delivered you and gave you just two simple commands, don't make a covenant with them, tear down the altars, and you have not obeyed my voice. Now, isn't that just like us as parents who got kids? We say, don't do such and such. And what do they do? They go do such and such. And then we got that, that conversation of why. And then they look at you with that blank stare. I don't know. Yes, you do. <laughs> right? And we all want to know. We just want to know, why? Why? Why did you do it? When you had so much, why? And, and then the angel says, I told you, don't make a covenant. Turn on our altars. We don't get into idolatry. I rescued you from that. I gave you the commandments in Exodus chapter 20. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no graven images. I just want to ask you why. When I've done so much for you. And so there we have. That's, that's what happened. That quick. They've been led by a man who's fallen the Lord. And one generation... When they pass, they turn away. That's what happened. Now, what were the consequences? Now, there were some positive consequences out of that rebuke. Well, when we look at the book, it says this in chapter 4, they lifted up their voices and, and they cried. Uh, they sacrificed unto the Lord in verse 5. And then it says, yes, verse 7, they served the Lord. Now, they repented. But it wasn't the kind of repentance that says it's a permanent change. It's one of those where I'm just, I just got caught. And, and so I'm going to do this time. I'm going I'm to just bide my time because I'm not really ready to change. Reason why we know, verse 10. Because the moment Joshua and those who were with him passed on, there arose a generation that did not know the Lord. Whole generation. And so there were some negative consequences. So yes, they, they repented. But yet the negative things that happened were, the Lord says, I told you, when you wouldn't listen, I was not going to drive them out. And he didn't. The Canaanites would be a thorn in your side. And as you know, Israel's history who are they always dealing with? The Canaanites, right? The, their God will be a snare to you. And unfortunately, and which is what the Lord is impressive for my heart that I don't want to see happen to us at Valley, is there arose a generation that did not know the Lord, nor the works that he had done 
for them. All because they compromised. And that lets you know, my brothers and sisters, we can't compromise with sin. There are consequences. Yes, our God forgives us. Yes, he does. He is a forgiving God. We know that for sure. But like night follows day, there are consequences. And they left a major consequence because after them arose a generation that did not know the Lord. They didn't think that covenant, that, that, that practice they adopted would do such. Oh, but it did. Because it caused a generation to say, I don't know what the Lord has done. All of a sudden now, they start doing idolatrous things. Here, they made a, a, a covenant. And they also begin practicing some of that. Eventually, if you keep on reading, they start taking their sons for their daughters and giving their daughters to the other people's sons. And God specifically said in Deuteronomy, when I take you into this land, you do not decide that I'm going to take their daughters for my sons and give my, son, my daughters to theirs. Just don't do it. They're going to turn your heart away. I don't care how good she looks. She's not one of us. She's not a Christian. You can't marry her. I don't care how much money he has. You can't give your daughter to him. They don't serve me. And the people said, nope. Nope, the money's too much. The girl's too fine. You got it, right? What did Samson do? What did Samson do? When, his, when he said, hey, I, 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 found, I found this woman I want to marry. And his parents says, don't we have, don't we have women here? Don't we? I don't know. The Bible don't say how they look, but I know he said, I don't care. I want her. And what happened? We saw that, right? He goes down. And so they made covenants that they shouldn't have. And the Lord says, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to remove them. I'm not going to do all that I promised you because you broke your, you broke your part. And so the question is right now is, why should you and I care about this story? Because this happened 2,000 some odd years ago, right? What, 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 what do I care about what happened to, to the Israelites some 2,000 years ago? Why should I care? When we live in 2017 and we just worried about what Trump might do because that man crazy. <laughs> we, we, we may be in a war tomorrow. Who knows? And, and, and matter of fact, you know, hey, you know, I, mean, I got bills to pay. My kids are off in college. I mean, how does this help me? I'm struggling in my marriage. How does that help me? So why do I care? Well, you should care. Because my brothers and sisters, we here at Valley, just like them, we're just one generation away from a generation growing up and saying, 
I don't know the Lord, and I don't know what he's done for us. Because if truth be told, we also have some unhealthy associations in idolatry in our own life. We've all grown up with, your parents have told you, you shouldn't be playing with Jimmy, right? You shouldn't be playing with him, because they always get you into trouble. But what do we do? Doesn't matter. Same thing as an adult. You probably have some associations in your life that the Lord is telling you, you need to get rid of. They're not part of where I want to take you. And you got to be man and woman enough to say, hey, I got to cut you loose. You are a hindrance to my walk. You're not helping me. You're not helping me grow. But nope, we're hanging on to them. We're hanging on to them. Maybe there's some, some addictions you have. The Lord says, I can't take you nor your church where I want to take you until you let it go. Because you guys are invariably linked. And if you don't think we are linked, read Joshua chapter 6 and 7. You find out about a man named Achan. Before the Lord gave them Jericho, he told them, he says, you know what? When you go in there, all that stuff that's there, I don't want you, it's, it's sacred. It's going to be given to me. It's not for you. It's not for you. That's dedicated to me. That's what he told him. So don't take it. Don't take it. Move on to chapter 7, and you find when they go, Achan looks at that Rolex. Says, oh, this, 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 this going home. He saw those Armani suits. Said, oh, man, I, I don't got no suit like this, man. Look, we got on. We got on sandals. Man, you give me this. I'm, I'm taking this. And he hid it amongst his own stuff. He hid it in his camp. And then they set off for AI. And they thought, oh, man, this little small town, we're going to wipe them out. Turn the next thing you know, little old AI kills 36 men of Israel, and then have them running. And they're all saying, I thought the Lord said we were supposed to win. We just got our butts whooped. And so they're all crying now. What happened? Joshua goes back and prays to the Lord. Lord, you, you told me we. He says, hey, guess what? Somebody took up the accursed thing that I said don't do. And then it turns out it's aching. And so one man caused 2.6 million people to have to be put on hold because of his sin. Same thing for us. We as a church, we can't get to where God wants us until all of us take an account. Say, hey, am I an aching? Because we linked. There's just some things he's not going to give us. Until we like, hey, what is it, Lord? What's in my life that's holding us back? What sin am I need to let go of? And Achan not only cost himself, he cost his wife and his children to be killed. Listen to that. He cost him and his wife and his kids to be stoned to death because he dabbled 
in something God said, don't do. Same thing in 2017. You're the parent. Maybe you are dabbing in something God says, don't do. And the consequence may be, yes, you might just forfeit and your kids may get lost because of you. Because of you. You didn't take inventory. Because we are linked. We are linked. Whether you like it or not, we are linked. We can't get to where God wants to take us until we take inventory. We can't. We're linked. But there's another reason why you should care. Because we are losing our youth. We are losing our, our youth. We are losing them. According to Lifeway research uh, done in May 2014, 70% of the youth who, when they reach 18, they drop out of church. 70% drop out when they reach 18. We're not far. Valley, we're not far. We're not immune to them dropping out. So that's why you should care. We're not immune to that. We're not immune. Here's another reason why you should care. Because according to uh, the Oxford University Press, they did a survey of teenagers who are professing Christians. And here's what they found. That the teenagers are inarticulate about their faith and its place in their lives. They couldn't articulate it. They don't know what they believe. They didn't know. They couldn't explain it. They couldn't. Can your daughter explain it? Can your son? Can he or she articulate their faith? They found out they didn't know. That's why you should care. I want my son to know. Don't believe just because daddy said you got to believe. No. My prayer for my sons. I want your God because I see him do what you said he can do in your life. I see that God has been good to you, Daddy. And I want to know him for myself. I want to know that God who went out of his way to provide for my daddy. I want to know him. I want to know Earlier this week, uh, Tim Bostrom, uh, he shared with me, because his son is in my, in my, in my group on Iwanis, and t- young Timmy, uh, he said, won't you, he said, won't you tell Pete what, what you did? And Timmy said, I gave, I gave my life to Christ. And then he said, you know, he, he added this. He said, the first time, I only did it because daddy was saying it. He said, but this time, I did it for myself. I did it for myself. I did it for myself. And that just thrilled my heart because we don't want a generation that grows up and says, I don't know the Lord, and I don't know what he's done for us. And so we need us to be, to care 
because our kids can't articulate the faith. And then they found out this, that professing teenagers, um, they have what we call moralistic therapeutic deism. That's just a fancy word for saying. Their belief was God was not needed to instruct them in how they should live in their life. He was only needed for when there was a problem. That's what the teenagers were saying. Oh, we don't need him to tell us how to do our lives. Oh, but when there's a problem. Oh, yes. God is needed for a problem. And if truth be told, many of us do God the same way. We're going to let God tell us how to run our lives. Right? I'm grown. You can't tell me what to do. Right? You said that. I'm grown. Who are you to? And we do to God the same way. Who are you to tell me who I can marry, who I can sleep with, who I, where I can go? Where I, who are you to tell me? Oh, but let. You get a phone call from the doctor saying, we see something that's troublesome. All of a sudden, it's, please, Lord, don't let it be what I think it is. If you do, I'll serve you. I'll do, right? Now we want to negotiate, right? Because before, we weren't talking to him. But now, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lord, they're going to take our house. We need, we, we need you to come through. Oh, but it's like, before you didn't need me. Right? As the, as the teenagers thought, moralistic, therapeutic deism. And then lastly, why we should care. Is Legionnaire Ministries in 2015 did a study with 18-year-olds to 34-year-old profession Christians. And here's what they found. Most of them hold heretical views. They couldn't, again, they couldn't explain it. And that which they explained was heretical. And this is our youth. These are the ones that grown up in church. Valley, we are not that far removed from we being just like that. That's why we should care. That's why we should care. We want our kids to be able to articulate their faith. Why is it that you believe? Is it because mommy told you? Now, that's a good start. But mommy didn't die for you. Mommy can't live your life. Daddy can't. Uncle can't. Grandpa can't. You got to stand before God on your own. They're not asking your mommy and daddy, okay, why do you believe it? No, they're asking you, why do you believe it? Why do you believe it? And the Bible says we should be able to give an account to men who ask us. You're supposed to be able, right? Jehovah Witness knock on your door rather than ducking and covering. <laughs> Say, hey, come on in. Let me, let me grab my sword. Because I already know that sword you got is fake. Come on. Let's do it. 
You want to ask me questions? I ain't afraid. I, I, I know my faith. I know why I believe. I can defend it. And so that's what we want our kids to be able to do. Can you defend it? When you're at school, can you defend it? They telling you, yes, uh, that, that love is love and, you know, and is this, I mean, you know, they trying to wipe out gender altogether. Oh, no, 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 no. I was made and created in the image of God. Bottom line. You can say what you want. I'm not, a pro, I'm, not, I'm not a descendant from a monkey. My God said, let there be, and there was, and he took me, he, he took some dirt, and he formed a man, and he breathed into him, and I tell you right now, I believe for what he says. I ain't ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I can defend myself. That's what we want our kids to be able to do. Defend yourself. Tell them, hey, this, this, this book here is not just any normal book. It's not man. It's not man-made. Okay, literally. Now, man may have it. I give you that. I give you that. But the spirit moved upon them, so they didn't. So, so they didn't come up with this on their own. They didn't do that. So, uh, we want them to be able. And so, lastly, what then should you and I do? See, because I told him this morning. You're right. I wasn't there for uh, Holy Ghost. I wasn't there. Matter of fact, I was only two months old because that was, that was July uh, uh, 71 I was born. Church was started in uh, October of 71. I wasn't there when they moved into the Family Life Center. I wasn't. I wasn't even there when they moved into this building. I came 2003. This is already up. But what I told him is, the Lord said, hey, though, Yes, you were not there for Holy Ghost Hall. You weren't there for the Family Life Center. And you weren't really here for this one. But you are part of a generation now. And I'm entrusting you with a $17 million building. And all I'm asking you to do is would you take care of it? Would you take care of it? Will you get involved? You didn't have to be there for Holy Ghost. You didn't have to be there for the family life. You weren't here when they said, but you're here now. Would you take care? It's entrusted to you. What would you do with it? Will you let it go to crumble and be a bygone and a byword? Or will you take that mantle seriously and say, hey, I've been entrusted with it. I'm going to take care of it. Because I don't want to see a generation grow up and say, we don't know the Lord and we don't know what he's done for us. That's our challenge. So what do I want you to do? I want you to get involved in youth ministry. I do. I do. Because our Awanas, oh, we need teachers on Wednesday night. We need men and women who could take a group of kids and say, hey, I'll help you memorize your scripture. I'll go through with it. On Tuesday nights, our, our, our youth department, we need men and women who would say, hey, you know what? I'm not really afraid of kids. I get it. But I want to pour into you what God is pouring into my life. I want to share with you some of my experiences in small group. Hey, I haven't lived a perfect life, but I'm willing to share. I'm willing to take a group. 
and talk with some sixth graders, some seventh graders, some eighth graders, some ninth graders, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, and say, hey, what we believe is real. I've made mistakes. Yeah, that's true. But we serve a good God. And I want to pour into you. Our Sunday school department should not be struggling for teachers. They shouldn't. Because we all got kids and grandkids over there. January should be taken care of. February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. All those months should be filled with teachers saying, hey, I'll do it. I will sacrifice and go because I know what's at stake. There's a generation that could grow up and say, I don't know the Lord. I don't know what he's done. But that falls on us. And so, I, so they should be filled with us. We got over 1,100 people in this church. And as I learned in seminary, I learned about the 2080 rule. And I found out, yes, that is true. That 20% of the people do 80% of the work in most churches. And that shouldn't be. We got way too many people for our youth to face the fact that it is possible. We're one generation away. And so we need to be involved with our youth. Now, you may be here, and I, and I grant you this, right? Some of us, we are mature in age. I agree. We are. But why don't you take a young married couple and share your experiences and help them in their marriage? Because I'd love to get to some of you have been married 50, 60 years. I'd love to get that. Tell me how you got there. You young people here, you should be willing to, to take that kind of wisdom and advice from, from those who've been there and not think, oh, this is, that's old school, this is new school. The old school got you where you were. Let's just be honest. And so, there's ways. But here's why I ask that you would be in youth as well as just to get involved in our church. But for youth in general, here's what they found in a survey of why kids who, who when they turn 18, here's why they stay. Here's the most three common reasons. One, it says, I wanted the church to help guide my decisions in everyday life. They wanted to see authentic faith. They wanted that. They wanted to see that the church does impact how I live. They wanted to see that. And those who did saw that, I saw it lived out. Not just on Sundays where everybody here is definitely say, yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. But when you went home, it went home with you. It did change how you treated your wife, your, your spouses, your kids, how you did your job. It did impact your life. That's what they wanted. Here's the second thing. 
It says, my parents were still married to each other and both attended church. There wasn't this, I'll just drop them off and I'll go home and do my thing. It's, it's important to me. And it rubbed off on them that it became important to them. They're watching you. If it's important to you, likely it's going to be important to them. But the message of just dropping them off sends a message like, well, I'm not all that interested, but I think it's good for you. You need that. But as you know, they follow more as, rather than they do as we say, they often pretty much follow, they do as we do. And yes, they go, but then when they become 18, they take off. Because it wasn't important to you. But those who it were, they stayed. And then lastly, here's why you should be involved. Because it says here, they said, at least one adult from the church made a significant investment in me personally and spiritually between 15 and 18. One adult took an interest. Says, I want to impact your life. I want to, I want to come alongside you. I want to share with you my experiences. I want to help you grow in your walk. And that made a difference for when they became 18. They stayed. That's why we should care. Because we don't want there to be a generation that grows up and says, I don't know what the Lord has done. I didn't know that in 1971 he started this church with Pastor Philip Howard. I didn't know he did that. I didn't know that in, in, in 97 they moved into the over here. I didn't know they did all that. I didn't know a few years later he got a $17 million building. I didn't know all that. I didn't know. I didn't know that they, the way I got the, the, the summer night camp and, 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 and the winter and all I didn't know that they were raising funds to send me. I didn't know they were doing all that. I just went. I just thought to my, oh, lottie, lottie. No. We sacrificed so you can have what you have. We don't want that lost upon you. But if for no other reason, I ask you to serve. The Lord asks you to serve. Just like he said to them, when he spoke to them, when the angel came down in Judges chapter 2, he started not with a rebuke. Not, not, he didn't condemn them right away. He says this. He reminded them. Didn't I not just bring you out? Didn't I not bring you out of Egypt? Didn't I not give you the land I swore I would give to your fathers? Did I not sustain you? Did I not deliver you? Did I not do these things? Right. And that was, they on the other side of the cross. We on the other side, we, we after. And he's saying to you, didn't I die for you? Didn't I send my son to pay your sin debt? Did I not do that for you? When you were yet still a sinner, my son Christ died for you. Did he not suffer an unimaginable 
death on a cross so that you wouldn't have to pay an eternity in hell. Did he not do that for you? And all I'm asking is for you to go feed my sheep. That's all I'm asking. Will you feed my sheep? Will you take an interest? Will you sacrifice and invest in the next generation? That's all I ask you. I don't ask you to pay me back because I know you can't. You can't pay me for the cross. No. You can't do it. But will you invest in my sheep? Will you be like Isaiah? Who will not ask the question, who will go for us? He said, if you need somebody, send I'll go. I'll go. I'll go back to school. I'll get trained. I'll take a class. I'll do it. Because your cross, what you've done for me, it means so much. And if all you want is for me, is to feed the sheep, I'll go to it. Will you do it? Will you give up time during the week and say, hey, I'm here. Where do you need me? I want to help. I want to invest because we got a generation coming and we don't want them saying, we don't know the Lord and we don't know what he's done for us. I challenge you today to say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Send me. I'll give up my shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays because that's why they made a DVR. I can watch it on the weekend. I can give up watching the game. I can DVR it. Just don't tell me who won. But I'll do it. Whatever it is. Maybe you can't serve in the youth. That's true. But maybe you can take some young person along your side, invite them over, and invest in them. Because that's it says here. You know why I stayed? Because one adult took an investment in me between critical ages of 15 and 18. An adult took an interest in me. Maybe you can do that. Because we don't want a generation to grow up and say, I don't know. I don't want to see us pass on. And then we become a byword. Because there wasn't a Joshua. There wasn't a Caleb who said, here am I. Send me. I don't want to see that. If the Lord will let me see another 46 years, I want to be able to say, we did it at Valley. 
We kept a generation going. We kept a generation going. We want to see another 46. And I may not say, I may not get there. But I want to be able to say, Lord, I did what you said. I invested in it. I pour everything you poured into me, into them. And I can say, they cannot stand before you and say, we don't know who you are. And we don't know what you've done. Because you mean so much to me. And I did what you said. We're going to close. If you're here today, I realize you come on a message in which our father, it wasn't very evangelistic. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, uh, we will stay here and we will share the gospel with you. Because if you're here today and you don't know Christ, it's not my words, it's his words. You will die and go to hell. That's not me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come into the Father but by me. And so you may have come on a day in which, you're right, this wasn't very evangelistic. But I'm making the appeal to you now. If you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we give you that extension. You can come. We'll come right where you are. And we'll pray with you. And we'll share with you Christ. But my brothers and sisters, for you and I, I ask that you get involved, that you serve. Maybe it's not in the youth, but you pick up the mantle and you say, Lord, no matter what my age, I'm going to take what you've poured into me and I'm going to invest in someone so that it cannot be said. They don't know who you are and they don't know what you've done for us. Let us bow. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for your word. And Father, we thank you for an opportunity to break bread. And I just ask now, Father, as we go from this place, that my brothers and sisters and, and myself included, we will make sure that there will not be a generation here that grows up and says, I don't know the Lord, and I don't know what he's done for us. We ask your Father in Christ's name, amen.